everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Eight and Three Quarters Disrupting Hollywood. I'm Marta Arnani, your host, and this is brought to you by Dimelo. I'm so excited for you all to discover my guest for today. His name is Adam Sussman. He is the head of development at Farbram Productions for NBC Universal. And y'all, if you like game shows, talent shows, any other unscripted TV, Adam is your guy. He's worked with so much top talent, developing formats around Zac Efron, J-Lo, Howie Mandel, Kenny Ortega, and many, many more. His credits include shows like American Dream Builders or Jessica Simpson, The Praise of Beauty. He's a USC Annenberg alum, and he's just incredibly creative and talented, and I can't wait for you all to hear from him. So let's jump in. Hi, Adam. Uh, welcome to Eight and Three Quarters. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. We're very excited. I am too. Um, I want to start just by asking you a little bit about yourself. Uh, so maybe tell me about your background, where you grew up, if you always knew you wanted to work in television. And if so, where did this inspiration come from? Sure. Um, I am a TV development executive. I focus on unscripted television. And I head development for a production company called Furry Prom Productions. Uh, we have a deal at NBC Universal. Um, I'm originally from Boca Raton, Florida. I had no contacts or connections growing up. I'm very removed from you know this uh, anything in entertainment. But I knew my entire life I wanted to get into uh, into t TV. So every time when we go to visit New York or LA, my family. Um, That was the mindset that I had. We were, I actually collected autographs as a kid <laughs> and we went to TV tapings and it was just something I always wanted to do. So um, when I got to my senior year in high school, I knew that I wanted to be out in LA and <laughs> I'll admit it was between at the time USC and UCLA and I definitely made the right choice and I'm a very proud Trojan. Um, I think that being at USC and specifically at Annenberg, it really allowed me to develop myself and gain a ton of experience that, and I'm not just saying this because I'm on your podcast, but gain a ton <laughs> of experience um, that I wouldn't have gotten anywhere else. So um, my role really in my current job is to create, develop, package, and sell unscripted TV series. And these could be anything from Uh, competition shows, to documentary series, to game shows, to talent shows. Um, so I think I actually, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Trojan Vision, the TV station at USC, but I was very involved with the station over there. I actually created my own variety show at USC. <laughs> and that's when I really got into celebrity booking and producing. And I really think that a lot of the skills in that setting really translated into what I currently do. Um, so I'm very grateful again for USC and, and it's been great to not only stay in contact with students I went to school with and faculty as well, but also to meet people like yourself who um, are on this you know, path. And I'm just really excited for you know, the futures of uh, USC students. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, I'm curious to know more about your experience in Annenberg, um, especially, um, you know, your decision not going to SCA, but like, let's do Annenberg, let's get into communication. Um, 
Tell me maybe more about like one memories stand out from that time uh, about the variety show you were mentioning, the projects you did here. Yeah. I mean, I had a really surreal experience. I don't know if anyone else listening to this uh, had it as well, but I arrived on the campus and stepped into the campus and I had this feeling like I belong here. I think I may have told you this when we first talked and, yeah. and I had it even more so with Annenberg, just the spirit and the energy of the faculty and the professors and the students. It was just this idea of like possibility. And I think also being in LA, you know, that idea of possibility. Um, I was, I was actually a trustee scholars. So I got a, a full merit scholarship and I don't know if they still do that. But at that time, it was by major. So that was my first time where I, you know, met some of the faculty in my interview. <laughs> and mm -hmm. we we definitely clicked um, in that interview. And then I had courses with them. So I remember um, Ken Serino was my first professor of communication as a social art. And Ben Lee, who I believe is still there, who is awesome, who does empirical research. Um, I think it's really about the relationship between the faculty and the students. And I really just felt very comfortable and I felt, you know, very encouraged um, to be there. And then just looking at L.A. kind of as your playground in terms of <laughs> career where I, f I feel like I did a lot of internships in college um, in talent management and actually at NBC where I am now. Um, and I feel like really taking advantage of those internships made a big difference. Um, just being out there and diving in and getting familiar with the professional world and working in that setting and building relationships, which I know is something we're going to talk about. I think that's really key to build relationships. And you can do that within USC, whether that's at Annenberg, at Trojan Vision, or, you know, being proactive on your own. Absolutely. Um, I'm definitely going to ask you in a little bit about those early steps in your career and that networking. Um, just before we jump into that, uh, I just want you to clarify for me what unscripted TV means. Because, um, you know, a lot of people, when they hear unscripted, they think of reality TV or they think documentaries. And it's sort of everything and, and anything, but it uh, feels like sort of a catch-all concept. Um, Can you just tell me what unscripted means to you and sort of what kind of content falls into this category for you? Yeah, I joke that unscripted is a more uh, classy word for reality, <laughs> but it's all really the same thing. I think people have the perception of reality is really just a docu-soap like um, the Kardashians or the Real Housewives, and it can be that. But uh, unscripted is really anything without a script. So um, it could be anything from a documentary to a, uh, a variety show or a talent show, to a food show, a game show, a social experiment, a dating series. I can go on and on. But one thing I think is really interesting about what I do is I really get to uh, have fun in all of those areas and come up with ideas that could, you know, anything that runs the gamut in any of those categories. So we're not constrained to just one genre. But so it could be anything from, you know, early on, I helped develop an adventure show. <laughs> I'm not really an adventure type guy. But in doing it, I learned a lot about that stuff or developing a medical show. And I feel like I really got to become a quote unquote expert for a little while in each of these areas, because I delve so deep into how they work. 
and just like heavy, heavy research. Um, so that's one of my favorite things actually about my job is getting to learn about new things and be curious and, uh, and develop something from start to finish. Um, walk me through the very, very first steps of your career. So like fresh out of Annenberg, you've done a few internships. So you sort of, you know, know the landscape a little bit. How did you start or where did you start? Yes. And this goes back to, um, again, just like building your network. So one of my internships, I interned for a talent manager. He represented um, Billy Crystal and Robin Williams, Woody Allen, real old school Hollywood. And mm-hmm. I was sitting in on a phone call, you know, like assistants will, will listen in on calls. And it was with these producers who did all the HBO comedy specials. And this this uh, special called Comic Relief, um, which was like every comedian basically on the network. And I said, this is who I want to work for. I want to work with these people. So I actually sent an email introducing myself, not knowing them whatsoever, but just saying my passion and what I wanted to do and the contacts I've made, some people we had in common. And they said, we don't have anything available now, but um, you know, let's let's sit down for a general meeting. And so... They remembered me from the meeting and I stayed in touch. And so right out, out of school, um, I someone gave me the advice to just get your foot in the door and work anywhere and actually make your mistakes at, on that first job. I wasn't looking to make a mistake, but if you're going to kind of get it out of the way on that first job, get it out of your system. So I worked um, at a full time at a part time, I'm sorry, uh, talent boutique agency. And I was working for like four people at once. It was, um, you know, very busy. And I got a call in the middle of that from the company I reached out to in college at HBO uh, Comedy Festival and John Moffat and Pat Lee, who did all the HBO comedy specials. And they said, we promoted our assistants. Do you, they basically offered me the job on the spot because I had made an impression in that general meeting. So I worked for them and that was a dream job. Because why I really wanted to get into TV was I loved varieties, variety shows and specials mm-hmm. and live entertainment and just like the idea of that and award shows. Every time there's a special on, my dad would say, Adam, there's a, you know, there's a special and it was something we would bond over. Um, so this is like a dream job to work for them. And I got to really work with a lot of comedy talent and get to know how celebrity talent worked. Um, and then from there... I moved on to a company called RDF USA, which is then Zodiac USA. They're a global unscripted company, and they have basically a catalog of formats that come from countries all over the world that they own. And they, we, we would adapt the formats to sell into the U.S. And then we would also create original formats in the U.S. that we would sell worldwide. So I worked my way up there from an assistant to a coordinator to a manager of development, which is basically a junior level executive in development. And I really proved myself there. Not only was I doing assistant work as an assistant, but I was also coming up with ideas at the same time and pitching the ideas. Um, and one of those ideas that I was involved with you know, early on uh, took off and we actually, we actually sold that. So that was something that I made myself a part of, and I was very proactive to contribute and stay involved, and I think that really you know, helped. Um, on from there, as a manager of development, I went on to director of development 
for a producer named Tom Shelley, who EP'd Survivor from the very beginning. And he had a deal at NBC Universal. And that was back in 2011. So I was his director of development, um, developed several, you know, competition formats with him. Um, and then that brought me to, to my current um, job at Furry Prawn with Jason Raff, who's the showrunner of America's Got Talent. And we've been together since, um, and I run his day-to-day development. So it's been, you know, it's been a fun road, really exciting. <laughs> and I feel really blessed that I've worked for some really great bosses. You know, you hear in this town that there could be a lot of people that aren't the best, but I've just been really fortunate to have, you know, people that have encouraged me and been very supportive. And a lot of my past bosses are still mentors and friends today. So that's a little bit about me in a nutshell. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Um, Let me unpack that a little bit. So from this experiences in different companies, uh, but always sort of on your genre of unscripted, what is something that you've learned that you wish you knew in the beginning? What's something that I think, and you hear this a lot with acting, and I knew it to an extent, but with I, what I do is really selling shows. So there's people that buy, you know, there's there's development and production. So production is really on set. Development mm-hmm. is the creation of of a show. And there's people that buy shows, like at a TV network. And then there's people that sell shows. You know, you hear in acting a lot that if you, you, you really, um, you know, if you really want to be an actor, do it. But there's a ton of rejection. <laughs> and I think I always knew that, but it's the same thing with development. I mean, the rewards are great and it's amazing to see something come to fruition. But in doing that, there's a ton of rejection. So I think it's important to just not to let that discourage somebody, but just to be aware of that and know that I'm going to go all in. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to be fearless. But with, with that may come, you know, that's just a part of the business. I think there's 90 nine no's to, you know, one yes. So um, I think, but then again, I feel like I did kind of know that intuitively early on. And I guess in a way it could be a comparison for life because a lot of life is rejection, right? But I think with development, it's kind of having the vision, the belief in what you're doing and the patience um, Mm. and the persistence. So I think that's something that, in my work, you know, I think that's something that I've learned in time and a lot of, it's hard to not take things personally because when you're creating something, it's like your baby and you're putting it together. Um, But knowing that there's so many variables involved and what we do is so subjective. So one person may like something, one one person may not like something. And a lot of it is really completely out of your control. Um, So just doing your best and moving forward. Yeah. Um, do you have any personal story of rejection that you want to share with us? Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing because, like I said, I think our our work, a lot of it is when we go out and sell shows for the number of shows that we get to the next development you know, stage. There's different stages in development. There's a lot of no's along the way. You know, they say uh, like failure when someone fails, like then when they succeed, it's so much sweeter. And I think, you know, what's interesting about our business is that you and what's great about the business actually is that you could have an idea and that um, 
there might not be interest, but then 10 years later, <laughs> it could come back up again and it could go through. Um, so I don't have an exact story for a rejection per se, but I will tell you a story that I had this idea um, when I was working at HBO, HBO called With Humor, There's Hope. And it was about basically comedians who, who use comedy and humor as a way to overcome adversity. Because if you look at comics, almost every one of them has had some sort of tragedy or hardship in their life and they've turned to comedy as a way to cope. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had that idea probably in 2007 <laughs> or 2008. And then it came back up again because me and my current boss had met with Howie Mandel um, and talked to him about several ideas. And I think we threw out this as an area And he said, oh, I had something similar to this as well. And he's really passionate about mental health. And we worked together on this show called Comedy Sessions. Imagine how we kind of in the role of armchair therapist, although he wasn't a therapist, but he was the host. And he was talking to his comedy friends about their lives, their struggles, and how they use comedy to cope. And we did that together. Um, We did basically a one-hour special that we broadcast really worldwide for the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival. It lived online. I actually spoke to, there was a USC um, mental health collective run by two students, and they approached me about about it, and we had a conversation with some USC students about it. But that was a real thrill for me because it was kind of having this idea so long ago and then seeing it all come back to fruition and also having an impact. I think that's something really important to me. Aside from the specials, I always wanted to do something that was impactful. So that was a real, um, you know, fun thing to do. That's full circle. Coming. Full circle, yeah. That's amazing. Um, you've mentioned briefly buyers and sellers, and I want to, you know, uh, get a little bit into this distinction because I feel like a lot of people graduating wanting to get into film and television, they only have the perspective of, of studios. You know, mm-hmm. and they say like, oh, I'm going to apply to Disney. I'm going to apply to Warner Media. I'm going to apply to Paramount. And they don't realize that a lot of the content that they like, it's actually being developed in, you know, production companies that they may not have heard of. Yep. Um, so like for Brown. So um, can you like uh, clarify the distinction between studios and production companies a little bit? Yeah, sure. So, um, so basically the production company is... Uh, the group that will come up with all the creative with the idea for the idea. So everything from the initial concept to developing it, which is fleshing it out, basically every detail, how the show works, uh, we'll put together materials that could be a presentation deck, a sizzle reel, which is like a trailer or a teaser to, to a show. I'll work with um, video editors to put that together. Um, if it's a docu, it could be casting tapes to show what a cast you know looks like. Uh, if it gets to a later stage, it'll be a Bible, which is basically literally like a Bible, <laughs> a document that spells out every detail of the show from start to finish. And then often we'll package a show with talent. So a celebrity that might make sense either as a producing attachment or to be on screen that could either come first before we come up with the idea. I may, a celebrity may want to do a show and I'll develop a show around him or her, or we'll think, you know, this is a great fit for that celebrity. And then we'll pitch the show um, to, you know, to either a studio or a network directly um, who are in charge of making this the decision if they want to buy it. So um, so on a production company and you get to be really creative, you're constantly coming up with new ideas. 
A big part of my job is also that I'm a relationship builder. So I'm basically constantly connecting with people, whether it's celebrity talent, directors, producers. If we have a scripted project, which we do a little bit of scripted to writers, uh, brands. And then on the network side, it's all about um, getting pitched those shows. We're one of probably hundreds of people that they get pitched, Mm -hmm. evaluating a concept and seeing, does it make sense for my network? So, you know, every network has its own kind of brand and audience, and does it make sense for my audience? Um, Then there's obviously places like Netflix who appeal globally and, you know, they're more, uh, have a wider audience. But when you look at something like Bravo, um, they have a very specific audience. So they're considering the project for the audience. And then there's usually someone that, that will do the development from the network end, kind of overseeing that process in the pitch. And then someone that'll uh, oversee the current, the day-to-day of the show once it's picked up. Um, I know I'm rambling, but basically one is the buyer and one is the seller. So I essentially Mm -hmm. am doing um, the selling. Um, Typically, how long would you say the life cycle of the development of an scripted program from like this conception of the idea to pitching it, selling it and producing it? Um, what's the typical, if there is a typical life cycle for this? I mean, it really can vary. Like, I think a lot of it has to do with the needs of the networks. If there's something very specific that they're looking for, whether it's a talent to work with, whether it's a area to pursue. Um, but honestly, when I talk about patience and persistence, shows can take years. Um, it could be months, but it could also be years. And They call development, you may have heard of the term development hell, especially in Mm -hmm. film. (laughs) And, you know, there's a lot of things that change from when you first come up with the show to when it airs or to when it's sold. So a lot of it is going through that development process. Ironically, sometimes you'll start with an idea and it'll change so many times, but it'll come right back to the original idea that you had. And I think it's just everyone really wants to make the best show at the end of the day. So um, it's kind of shaping that that show and going through the process. Um, so I would say, you know, it, it really ranges. But again, patience, <laughs> patience, passion and purpose are probably the three P's that I would mm-hmm. say are important for this business. 100%. Um, during all that development hell and then... I'm assuming there's a production hell as well. Do you ever, from from your job, do you get a chance to be even slightly involved in production? Say, like, go to set, see how things are going, to sort of see if your baby's developing in the way you conceived it and sold it? Or is it, like, out of your hands as soon as you sell it, you have no sort of involvement in what happens after? Yeah, yeah. For example, the Howie story that I was telling you with the um, session show that we did, Um, after we got that going, you know, I was still involved with the production. So Mm -hmm. everything from, you know, heavy research into, uh, it's kind of like development continuing a little bit into the people that Mm -hmm. we spoke to on the show, the subject matter, um, the edit, you know, the editing and giving notes on cuts, like, you know, from editors and really shaping it and giving it the love and attention it deserved. So that was just a a special one-time thing. But um, that was really fun to kind of work as a team and to put that together and to see, you know, come to fruition. Um, So I think 
you know, it, it could be a project by project kind of basis, but I think the best, the best scenario is developing a show and then coming on board to the show and being on set to see your vision, what mm-hmm. you spent months or years putting together to actually see it in front of you. Um, and also to give it the love and attention that it deserves and to make sure that the vision comes through uh, in the end, uh, you know, is important. Um, is there, you, you've done many different things. Is there any genre or kind of show that you haven't done yet that you're looking forward to do? Oh, I want to try this. I have never done this, but I would love to. Yeah. Um Uh, I think that, I mean, I love talent. And as you know, um, uh, Jason Raff, who I work for, he, he runs America's Got Talent. I didn't, I didn't, per, I don't personally, that's, and we could talk about AGT because I know that's something you're interested in <laughs> in a minute, but that's his show. And I do shows outside of that. So as much as I love talent, I haven't personally, you know, done a talent show. I've developed some talent shows, but actually kind of getting off the ground a talent show. And that's what I really love um, okay. is performance and talent. And I'm a music, I've always been a musical person. I've been very fortunate because John Moffitt, who I worked for at HBO, he was the original assistant director and then director of the Ed Sullivan show, which was like one of the first variety shows. And then Jason being America's Got Talent, the showrunner, it's kind of cool to be on the outside. And when you said about showing up to set, Um, I've been to, you know, several tapings just as a fan of America's Got Talent <laughs> and seeing that up close and seeing the production value and the talent and the whole production and, and the crew and everything that goes into it. You know, I think he said before that the live shows are almost like an award, like the Oscars every night. Just the execution of that is amazing. So that would be really fun to uh, to create, you know, my own talents kind of uh, version. From your experience uh, working so closely with AGT and others, uh, what makes a good talent show? Or what makes a talent show stand out from many others that you can find? I'm a subway singer. I'm a magician. We are an acrobatic duo. I'm contortionist. Okay, good luck. Obviously, the entertainment and the talent is incredible, like, you know, finding these people. But it's also the stories. They have really powerful, uh, uplifting stories where you're rooting for these people to win and you want to see them perform and you're on their side. And so I think the combination of the talents and the stories, um, along with, you know, America's Got Talent is a variety show. So it's not like just seeing the same thing every episode. You're seeing different, you know, different performances and different types of talent every episode. So it's always new. Um, and so I think, you know, just that raw talent. Um, nowadays, there's so many different types of shows. So I know that, um, you know, it's, it's kind of finding what is the next variation of something. And one thing I'll say about, you know, TV in general is that there ha there have been some someone once told me that there's very few original ideas <laughs> so it's really finding what is your spin or what is your hook on the you know on that idea to make it stand out and while I didn't personally work in America's mm -hmm. Got Talent but I'm you know I am a fan of it 
you know, I think just even having the X's that, that were, you know, in the beginning, that was something that wasn't, you know, or on the voice, you're having the turning chair, you know, um, whether it's a set piece or some sort of device. Now in AGT, they have the golden buzzer, you know, something to draw people in to kind of spice it up and make it different. Um, but I think at the end of the day, again, everything comes to storytelling. So it's all about the stories of these people. Um, I'm curious, you know, because this shows um, are incredibly popular worldwide. They've been franchised literally everywhere. Um, when you're developing an idea for a new show at your job, do you specifically think of the American audience? Do you have a broader audience in mind? Uh, especially for storytelling, as you were mentioning, because that can be very, I don't want to say culturally specific, but it's definitely different depending on what kind of audience you have in mind. So, um, what, what, yeah, what's your mindset for that? I think I'm generally considering, considering an American audience, but I take inspiration from looking at other formats around the world. You know, some of the most successful formats have come out of the UK or the Netherlands mm. um, or Japan. And basically, you know, kind of taking inspiration of a lot of people that have really, really think outside of the box. And so basically, you know, when I was at RDF USA Zodiac, which is an international format company, uh, mm -hmm. we had a catalog of formats from territories all over the world. And it was interesting because we could take a format and say, adapt it for the US and say, okay, what kind of changes, creative changes will we make to tailor this to American viewers? And again, on the other end, it was t coming up with original American formats. And then I think it was really, you know, focused probably on America first, but something that could be universal. I think the universality is important. Something that could be universal, that could transcend different places. And so there would be, you know, the show that um, as an assistant that I said that I, I was instrumental in was called Jessica Simpson's The Price of Beauty, which is basically Jessica, the singer, you know, traveling around the country to uh, around the world, rather, to um, explore beauty, the perceptions of beauty in different countries and to learn in the process. Mm -hmm. And each of the assistants at the company were assigned a talk show to watch. I was assigned actually Oprah, which I've become a big Oprah fan. And she did a segment on beauty around the world. And that was kind of, I was like, oh, I think there's something, something here. And as a team, we have, you know, come up with uh, an idea around that. Um, but that, that show was later developed into, you know, other territories. Um, so imagine taking, replacing Jessica, the talent in the U.S., with another talent in another country and mm -hmm. having it through their own perspective and through their own lens. Um, so I think universality is the key. Um, what, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who is starting as an assistant in a show like this that you just mentioned uh, today? Well, I'll share some of the advice that I received um, early on, which I think was good advice. Um, I ha it's weird. I remember, like if someone gives me advice, I'll remember it forever. So um, so I think one of the first things and uh, was, you know, just get, again, just get your foot in the door. Someone told me work for free. I, I'm not saying literally I'm telling people to work for free, but but. I had a general call with a talent manager at that first internship. Um, 
And he was the one that gave me that advice. Uh, and later on, I saw the li- a listing for an internship at that company. So I called him up. He doesn't know me from anything except that one call. And I said, hey, you told me to work for free. I'm following your advice and I want this job. <laughs> and that got me in the door. Um, the next piece of advice I got was make yourself valuable. And I think that's really important to, um, you know, no matter what position you, you were in, to show why you deserve to be there, basically. And to take the next step, not just doing, you know, what's required, but really going above and beyond to come up with, in my case, to come up with ideas and to put them together and to show that I'm really a member of the team. Um, I'm an assistant, but I also saw myself as an executive. And I think having that mindset allowed me to be, you know, for people to to see my ideas and to respond and see that I offered something, brought something to the table. Another area that I personally love um, is, again, the celebrity talent piece. I've always been attracted to talent and working with celebrities to, you know, to put projects together. So that was something I brought to the table where I was bringing talent in, even as an assistant, I was making these contacts on my own. I had been doing this at USC, at Trojan Vision. I had been doing this even previously my whole life as just a skill I developed. So I think if there's a specific skill that you have that you're passionate about that might separate you from other people to kind of bring that skill into it. And then again, just talking about the process of what we do, I think having that persistence and that perseverance and that, I think optimism is another word. Having an optimism and a belief will really get you you know, far. Uh, I think you know this, that I'm also a huge fan of the cold email. <laughs> I think it's very <laughs> under um, uh, underappreciated. And I feel like the worst thing you can get is a no. So I have and, you know, will send emails if if I'm interested in something just to introduce myself and to, you know, see about making a, a connection. I think it's all about networking and making contacts. And especially for a USC student, if you're in school right now, people love to talk. I'm talking right now about myself. People love to talk and share their experiences. So I would encourage you to reach out, um, share your passion and see about either, you know, doing a Zoom or doing a call or, you know, if or when things are you know safe, uh, being there in person and having a one on one to get to learn about somebody and to make that contact. I think it's really valuable and it'll follow you uh, throughout your career. Yes, absolutely. Um, thank you for that. I think that was great advice. And I have to say, I noticed from you that you have your email on your website visible which shows that you're a connections guy that you, you know, as you said, you like to talk, you're, you're open to receiving emails, which I really appreciate it. I think that's really good. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, we're close to an end. Unfortunately, um, before we wrap up, I want to ask you the eight and three quarters quiz. Yeah, let's do it. Are you ready for that? Yes. I don't know what to expect. <laughs> okay. Let's do it. Eight and three quarters quiz. Uh, First question, what is the last show you binged? Oh, the last show, um, it was the um, Me and Everybody, Inventing Anna <laughs> on Netflix. Mm. And I'm so re-watching um, Kimi, uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Um, what book is on your nightstand? Ooh, 
Uh, the Book of Joy, um, it's the, I'm looking at it now, it's the uh, Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. Amazing. Their conversations. Yeah. Uh, who is your role model? My role model? Um, I have a few really quick. <laughs> I think John Moffat, who was that first boss mm-hmm. that I had at HBO, just the way he led, um, he had the energy uh, or has the energy of a 20-year-old. <laughs> And he was, you know, he has been at it a long time since the Ed Sullivan show. Uh, and then there, outside of TV, there is a doctor named Ahmed Sood, and he studies um, resiliency, and he works at the Mayo Clinic. Another great book, his book is The Mayo Clinic Guides to Stress-Free Living, which I think we all can take, especially right now. And he talks about gratitude and acceptance and forgiveness. And I feel like you know, just having that really, you know, centers you. I'm going to write that one down when I listen yes. to this later. Uh, okay. If you could work with anyone in the industry, who would that be? Gotta say Oprah. I just met, I mentioned that. Um, <laughs> I mentioned, you know, being assigned to her show and being a huge fan. I think there's no one like her and she's incredible. Oprah. What would your last meal be? Ooh. Um, I would say... A nice juicy steak. <laughs> <laughs> you can't go wrong with that. No, like that. <laughs> okay, uh, your house catches fire. What's the one thing you save? Oh, um, what's the one thing I save? I know it sounds cliche, but I think you know, photo pictures and per- we have we have social media now, but I think pictures of family and you know kind of personal mementos that relates to my family because they're really important to me. Absolutely. Um, okay, and for the last three-quarter question, uh, finish this sentence for me. America's Got Talent is... America's Got Talent is a game changer. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I love that. Okay, yeah. uh, this is all for me. Thank you so much. Uh, this was Thank a pleasure. You. I had a blast. I'm so excited to listen to your podcast and hear other guests. And um, and like you said, I feel like you have the USC, you have this amazing alumni and amazing network of people currently there. So I just encourage everyone to take advantage of that and have fun and fight on. 100% fight on. Okay, thank you, Adam. Thank you. Thank you.